Exodus chapter 33, beginning to read at verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, and that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he saith unto them, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For in shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee. And will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me. And thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. You know the Lord will bless again the reading of his own word, but just bow with me for a moment in prayer, please. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, you're sovereign over all. Even as we have been singing, your sovereign granting peace from heaven. And we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign, yet you're gracious and kind to every single one of us. Your goodness goes beyond our own comprehension. And we ask you tonight, Lord, now to, Lord, just shut each and every one of us in with thine own self. Lord, that tonight, as your word is preached and proclaimed and that the name of the Lord Jesus is lifted up and exalted. That your spirit would move and, Lord, speak to hearts and speak to lives. Lord, that someone in this place would come to saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for everything. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're not like us, but you're making us to be more like your son. So, Father, in Jesus' name we ask you, Consider our petition, Lord, and come and move, we pray, in your own way and power and glory. And manifest yourself in the midst. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. This evening I want to speak on grace, glory, 
and goodness. Grace, glory and goodness. Now when we talk about grace, we wonder what is grace and how do we term grace? How do we speak about grace and portray grace to the hearts, to the lives, to men and women who would ask us, what do you mean by grace or the grace of God in particular? In Exodus chapter 33, the word grace first appears in verse 12, in which Moses seems to be reiterating God's word, God's promise back to him. For you see, he is God who cannot lie. And when God said that he would bless them, God meant he would bless them. And when God said he would keep Israel, he said he would keep them. He would keep them. When God said he would strengthen, then he would strengthen. And Moses is found reiterating God's word and his promise back to him. Yet thou hast said, says Moses, I know thee by thy name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. This is the first mention in the chapter, and it is the second mention of grace in the book of Exodus. In fact, in the book of Exodus, the second mention of grace is in chapter 22 and verse 27. And it's when the Lord was given Moses all the laws concerning Israel. And when someone was lending or giving, not to use uh, usury or interest as you see in our nation today, tearing our nation down. Not to be extortionate in the lending and the giving, but to give willingly and to give of a free heart. Give with a heart like God gives. Give like a heart of God give his son to a dying world. Here we have the Lord speaking to Moses in chapter 22. And he says, if someone takes and does not pay back, he says, and that man or woman is left destitute when they cry unto me, I will hear and I will be gracious unto them. The Lord will be gracious to every prayer that ascends the throne of grace this evening. If you pray unto the Lord, believe in your prayer. Believe he is a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. And he will help you through your situation and your circumstance. Our God is a good God. Here we have the word grace or graciousness is found in chapter 22, it's the first mention of grace in the book of Exodus. In chapter 33 of our reading here, five times the word grace is used. And twice the word gracious is used all in the same and one in the same chapter. Notice here people would say, how do we explain what grace is? The common thought is that we just reply in return that grace is unmerited favor that grace is unmerited favor it is to receive something that we do not deserve that you would receive something that you don't deserve and i would receive something that i didn't deserve and of course moses and israel would receive something that they didn't deserve you see, grace can only come into proper effect in a man and a woman's life when they realize their depravity, their inability to save themselves. 
And they realize, as the hymn writer said, they are saved by grace alone. And this is all my plea, that Jesus died for all mankind and Jesus died for me. It's all of grace. It's all of God. The first time a man or a woman stands up to proclaim that they have done anything, one single thing to merit their own salvation, they have become void of the grace of God. For God sent his son to an undeserving world, to an undeserving nation, and to an undeserving person that you're listening to tonight. And God's grace found me. God's grace found you. But look at that in a moment. Here we have Moses reiterating the word back. If I have found grace in your sight. Then he mentions Israel. He says, Israel has found grace in your sight. I hear people saying, there's no grace in the Old Testament. The whole Bible is of grace. All of it is of grace. And sovereign election of Almighty God. Here we have the, the Moses saying to the Lord, If I have found grace in your sight. Grace means unmerited favor. But here the Hebrew word for grace and gracious is slightly different. But the same root meaning. The word grace five times in Exodus 33 is the word Cain. And the word Cain really just gives the idea for grace it means Kindness to show favor, to give a beauty. Isn't that lovely? To bestow a beautiful thing on someone. To bestow a beautiful thing upon a man and upon a woman that they did not deserve. It gives the idea of a preciousness upon a heart and upon a life and upon a person. That God Almighty Gave something precious. And oh he did. When he gave his only begotten son. The Lord Jesus Christ. It's all of his matchless grace. Here we have the word grace. Uh, in the Hebrew here is the word Cain. And it means kindness, favor, precious, beauty. Or it even means highly or well favored. You know Moses he says. You are highly and well favored. Even from a child. Imagine that. When Pharaoh wanted to kill him. He was placed in a, a reed basket. And Pharaoh's daughter took him in. And God in his grace spared Moses' life. And even his own mother became his own carer. What grace of God through a tragedy to send a child in a basket up a, up a crocodile filled Nile, river Nile. That, that even the man who was seeking to kill all these children would take him in and bring him up under his own nose. That must be the grace of God that the enemy cannot touch. Where God says thus far and no further. It's all of God's grace. It's all to do with him. Here we have Moses saying, if I have found grace, if I am that precious, if you have set your love on me and on Israel, then we will be a separated people. God's people should be a separated people today. Separated from the world. Separated from the things of the world. Separated from a life of sin. Separated from an ungodly lifestyle. 
Here, grace is not a license to sin, but grace is what enables you not to sin. It would surprise you how many Christians today think, I'm under grace, I'll do what I want. You're under grace. But if you really acknowledge the grace of God in your life, you will love him with all of your heart and you don't want to do those things that the world is doing. You'll want to live a separated life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses here turns and says, if I have found grace in your sight. The word gracious is the root word for grace as well. It is the word konan. Listen to what it means. It gives the idea of one who bows down or stoops down in kindness to someone inferior. One who bows down or stoops down in kindness to someone who is inferior. Almighty God bowed down and stooped down in kindness to a man called Moses, to a nation of Israel, the inferior. And he says, I bestow my love upon you. But what must I do? You need do nothing. It's freely given. What do you do to merit God's grace tonight? You do nothing. It's freely given. He freely loves you tonight. He freely sent his son to die for you. And the minute you say, well, I must do this and must put this in place and get my life right here, then you are falling void of the grace of God. That's what you call falling from grace. Christian, the moment that you say, I, the Lord could never forgive me. I haven't prayed in a week. And the moment you say he couldn't, you're falling from grace. For his grace will abound over all your sin. Moses says, if I have found grace in your sight, he says, then show me your ways. See the word term here, to find grace in his sight. We find it first of all mentioned in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. We're told Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace. The Lord bowed down. The Lord stooped down in kindness to a world that was filled with violence. That the world was filled with sin and debauchery. That a world that was went astray. And God looked upon it and was about to send a flood. The great wrath of God washing them all away as a great tidal wave. But yet in his grace he looks at Noah and he says, Noah, he comes down and speaks to him and says, I'm stooping to tell you Noah. Undeserved Noah. People say Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Yes he was. But let me tell you something. Noah had the germs of Adam. And every child in Adam is worthy of death. Every one of us are worthy of death and judgment of God. But God in his grace. He comes down to Noah. He says build an ark. And all who enter the ark. When my wrath is poured out in judgment, he says, well, whoever enters into the ark, they shall be saved. We know the story. We're told Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I see the word found. Moses says, Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. 
We're told Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're also told that if Israel has found grace in the Lord's sight too. The word found here, we get the idea when we say, I found something. It means that we go and we look and we search and we go and ask and inquire and suddenly we find that thing which is missing. That's what we think of being found. That's not what God means here in being found. Noah didn't go seeking God and God came to him. Moses didn't go seeking God so God came to him. Moses was in the backside of the desert. And he saw a burning bush. And he turned aside to see this thing. And it says, Moses, Moses. God called him. God appeared unto him. God in his grace showed a glimpse of himself in a theophany of a burning bush. The word here for found is the word mossa, means to come forth. It means to appear. It means to come into existence. It means to meet. And it means to be present. So when Noah or Moses or Israel found grace in the sight of the Lord, it means that grace came forth to them. Grace appeared to them. Grace came into existence to them. Grace met Moses. Maybe you're at the backside of the desert. Maybe you're struggling and things are hard. Maybe you have nothing left. Even we heard this morning, nothing left to give. You're struggling in your mind and you're struggling in your faith and you're struggling in your heart. Maud Christian, we all struggle at times. And maybe you're struggling to understand and can't comprehend the things that God is doing. You can't even see God doing it and whatever he is doing. And you're saying, Lord, I feel like I'm in the wilderness or a desert place. Well, God's grace can reach you. Right where you are. God's grace appeared to Moses, God's grace became present in his life. God's grace met him the backside of a desert. Noah, Moses, Israel, and you and I found grace. Grace came forth to them. Grace appeared to them. Grace came into existence to them. Grace met them on the road of life and death. If you're not saved tonight, and you've never come to the foot of the cross... And you've never trusted in the finished work of the Lord Jesus and Calvary's tree. And you've never bowed the knee and the will unto him. And tonight the Holy Ghost is coming in grace and power. And showing you your need of a saviour. And your inability to save yourself. You say, Lord, here I am. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And you'll find the grace of God will meet you in your seat. We'll meet you in your condition. We'll meet you whatever your position. The grace of God will reach you. Here, the grace of God will meet you in the road of life and death. The road of life to serve him. He'll take you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you'll be with him. The grace of God met them on the 
on the life of the temporal and the eternal things. The grace of God met them on the broad road to destruction, to raise them up of the dunghill, to set them among princes, that we may inherit the throne of his glory. That's what God's grace has done for me. That's what the grace of God can do for you. Takes you from addictions. Takes you from sinning. Takes you from religious spirits. Takes you from the things that bind you. And the things that hold you. And keep you down. And it digs you out of the dunghill. And sets you among the princes. Oh hi, Israel were the princes of God. God's grace lifts you. Says that you may inherit the throne of his glory. Here we have. Here we have Moses. Meeting the Lord on a broad road to destruction like you and I. And grace becomes present to him. I found grace in the sight of God. I'm unworthy. I don't deserve this. But God's grace just swoops him up. Carries him along. And sees him through. Almighty God bowed down and stooped down in kindness to the frail, hurting, helpless and sinful man. And he showed him his loveliness and his beauty. Listen to Puritan Thomas Goodwin. He said, grace is the freeness of love. Eh? Grace is the freeness of love. God loved, sent his son to an undeserving world. Grace is a freeness of love. Now I want to say something. Don't get me wrong now when I say this. Please hear me through. Grace is the freeness of God's love. But I want to tell you something. God's love is not enough in itself to save you. There was a rich young ruler who came to the Lord Jesus saying, Good master, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him some of the commandments. He says, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What yet do I lack? And the master says, Take your goods. Go and sell them and give it to the poor and come up, take your cross and follow me. And we're told the young man went away sad for he had much goods. But the Lord loved him. That young man walked away without Christ. Christ still loved him. And Christ loves you. Christ loves you tonight. But it's grace through faith in his finished work, taking up the cross and following him that saves. Puritan William Jenkins said, Grace is not native, but donative. When you go to give blood, if you go to give blood, You give it, not expecting it in return. The receiver receives it. If you give to a charity, you give. You just give, and the receiver receives it. Such is salvation in the grace of God. He gives his son, we receive him, and we are saved. He gives his life's blood, we receive that, and we are cleansed. Grace, grace, it's all of grace. Old Philip Doddridge once wrote in his hymn, one of his verses, "'Twas grace that wrote my name in life's eternal book. "'Twas grace that gave me to the Lamb who all my sorrows took 
saved by grace alone. Isn't that beautiful grace that gave me to the Lamb? Why did Moses feel the need to mention to God again, if thou found grace in your sight? Why would he reiterate that to God? Well, here's the thing I asked myself when I was looking at this chapter and uh, and was wondering, it says, Lord, why did Moses need to say that again? Well, then, why do I need to say it? Why do I say it? Why do you say it? Why do we repeat to God the things he's done for us? One, because it glorifies him. It magnifies his name and his greatness and goodness in our lives. But another, for our own insecurities. Through our own insecurities. You see, free grace is exactly that. It's grace that's freely given. Expecting nothing in return. God just gives his grace. Loves freely. His grace abounds over our sin. His blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, cleanseth us from all our sin. God just gives and expects nothing in return but our hearts to worship him when he regenerates the spirit. Here we have Moses and we wonder why. You see, for you and I to mention God's grace to God will glorify him. But don't be doing it thinking, if I mention it, God's forgot it. Us mentioning, Lord, you're gracious, thinking you're not gracious anymore, will you be gracious again? That's not the reason why. It's our own insecurities that we do that. See, God is good all the time. God is gracious all the time. God's grace is upon you every moment of every hour of every day. When you go to bed, his grace is still on you. When you get up in the morning, his grace is still on you. You're kept by the grace of God. We may make mention of it to God, but it does not change God's grace or favor toward us. But rather, we mention it for our own benefit and our own insecurities to assure us in our doubtings when we have failed him and we are conscious that we have failed him. We come to him and we say, Lord, I have failed you and I know you're gracious. And that's fine. That's okay. But what about the times we're not conscious that we have failed him and we've sinned before him? Is his grace not count then? Of course it does. He's always gracious. Always. What a gracious God we serve. What a God of love we have. What a God who loves his children. Sets them apart for his own use. In times of failure, fear, falling and faltering. In times of stress, strain, sickness, sinning and while we're in the storm. In times of weakness, weariness, waywardness and wantonness. In times of hurt, helplessness, hopelessness and heaviness. We would say, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. Thou hast also found grace in my sight. We remind him of his grace. But God is always gracious. Hebrews 4 and 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. This verse means that we, we should go to the throne of grace every day. 
Numerous times a day, it's always open. It's free and available for every single believer tonight. And we can go to that throne of grace. And we can plead and say, Lord, I need mercy. I need help. In fact, time of need gives the idea of seasonal help. Or seasonable help. In other words, whenever you're really in the doldrums, when you're really going through the storm, when you're really at wit's end corner, when you really don't know what to do and what to say and how you need help, and none can satisfy the soul, none can cure or soothe the heart, we say, oh Lord, I come boldly to your throne of grace for the seasonal time that you may succor me and strengthen me in the inner man. Flies to your rescue. Speedily and swiftly he comes in the power and person of his spirit. And he ministers to the sorrowful heart. His grace. You see... Our chapter Israel had miserably failed. It became Jehovah's bride or his wife in Exodus 19. By Exodus 20, they receive, Moses comes down or receives the Ten Commandments, as we call them, on the tables of stone. And from Exodus 21 to 23, we're told of the law that God gives concerning violence in the nation, responsibility for property. And man's dealing with man. Oh, that if Britain would listen to what the Lord has said in this book, there wouldn't be floods all over the place. Turn with me, please, to Exodus chapter 23, if you have your Bible open there. Exodus chapter 23. He gives a wonderful promise of him leading and guiding them. And let your eye run down to verse 20. He says, Behold, I send an angel. Notice the capital A. I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions. Notice, for my name is in him. My name is in him. But thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak. Then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. See this angel? This is no ordinary angel. See this angel that the Lord talks about? Do you know who this angel is? The archangel? No. Gabriel? Michael? No. Who is he? He's the one who stood with the three Hebrew children in the fire. He is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Christ is not an angel. Mark my words now. He is God of very God. But he was a theophany of God. For man could not look on the splendor of the Almighty. Or he would be consumed in his presence. God says I'll give you a taster of what's to come. My name is in him, he says. 
is the word of God. He is the word of God. This is the same one who was clothed in flesh. Listen to what he says. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. This one God gave his word. He gave his son. Now mark me, please have no one leave here tonight saying I believe Jesus is an angel. That's not what this means. All commentators believe this is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who stood with the Hebrew children in the fire. The one who came to Joshua proclaiming he's the captain of the Lord's host. He is the one who was clothed in flesh. And in John chapter 17, verse 16, I think, he says, praying for those and for you and I, he says, Father, I have manifested thy name unto them which thou hast given me out of the world. Oh, he is the great I am. The God of Israel. He is gracious and he is kind. And he is good. And God said he would give. That was the promise. And oh when the promise seems like it's faded. Our God keeps his confidence. And he keeps his promises. And in due time when the hour was come. He sent forth his son. <laughs> he, was born of a, he was born of a virgin. Made under the law. Better rush on here for time is running. Try and keep the minutes a bit for you. Bless his holy name. Here, by Exodus chapter 23, he gives that promise. Moses comes down the mountain and says, The Lord's going to give us, He's going to give us a special privilege to be led by a theophany of Himself. A revelation of Almighty God, whom Abraham our father had seen and talked with. And at with at the tent door. He says, God's going to do that for us. You see, he's just the same. He's just the same. Moses, God is just the same today, as the songwriter said. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. And here Moses comes down and he says unto Israel, He says, Gather around, I'll have something great to tell you. God's on our side. God's on your side tonight. Child of God, you have heaven at your disposal. God is on our side. And he says here, gather round. Look what he does in chapter 24, verse verse 6. They have a sacrifice. Verse 6 says, And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood... He sprinkled it on the altar and he took the blood of the covenant. Notice that, the blood of the covenant. And read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that the Lord hath said we will do. 
and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these words. Here the people come under the blood. When did they do it before? In Egypt. The Lord said, Tonight I am passing through in judgment. Take the blood of a lamb and put it in hyssop upon the doorposts and the door lintels of the house. And when I'm passing through, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. He didn't say when I see who you are. He says when I see the blood. It's the blood that speaks before Almighty God. And only the blood. As you can see, I haven't lost much of my excitement. (laughs) Israel come under the covenant of blood. And you know what? See why they were under the blood. Old Balak the king tries to curse them through Balaam. Balaam stands on a mountainside trying to curse them and curse them and curse them. And he comes to Balak and he says, I cannot curse that which God has blessed. And I can't bless that which God has cursed. You know, when you're under the blood, you're safe. When you're under the blood, you're secure. They're under the blood. The covenant of blood. Here's something to show you. This is quite amazing, this. Let me get my breath. <laughs> Moses takes the blood. Look at verse 9. He sprinkles it on them and he says, And went up. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. Notice this. And they saw God, the God of Israel. Isn't that fantastic? And they saw the God of Israel. Folks, I tell you, you'll not see God unless you're under the blood. You'll not be in the kingdom of God unless you're under the blood. They go up the mountain and they saw the God of Israel and there was under his feet as it were a paved work of sapphire stone and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. Now here's something I want to show you here. Moses takes Aaron his brother, Nadab, Abihu, 70 elders or the elders of that weren't as in elders in the church, they were men of wisdom who they were leaders in a tribe and so on. But he goes up and, and, he, and he takes them up a certain distance up the mountain with him. And we're told that they saw the God of Israel. And they noticed something that under his feet was paved work of sapphire stone. And as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. What did they mean? What did they mean? God said, you can't see me and live. There's plenty of people seeing God. What's all this about? You see, the idea is God says, if I opened to give you all the understanding that you have, I'm greater. If I opened myself to you, he says, I'd consume you. You know, sometimes we don't know what God's doing. Sometimes we don't know why things are happening. And we can't understand it. We need to leave it with him and his sovereignty and say, Lord, you're in control. You're in charge. But maybe you'll show me when the time is right. 
You know what the Lord, when he's talking of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus said, I have many things to tell you now, but you cannot bear them or grasp them. And a young John who laid on his head on his breast at supper, that same young man, when he was old, he was on the barren island of Patmos, an old prison island, and where he said, I was in the island that's called Patmos for the word of God. And for the testimony of Jesus Christ, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And that which Christ could not show him then, for he wasn't ready, was revealed unto him. And he wrote the book of Revelation. We're going to understand in the by and by. We're going to know what it's all about when Christ returns. We're going to know. I have questions. I've asked God questions these last few weeks. Lord, I don't understand. But I know you're doing something. One sister had just died and we buried her. I left the graveside and went up to the hospital where we thought the other sister was getting home. They told us to come up, she took a turn for the worst. Came and says, it's only a few hours. But if she gets over the next four to six hours, she'll maybe make the weekend. So we done a vigil and we sat right through till about half five. Alison and I and her husband told the rest of them, you go and we'll do a, a, a ruta. We said about half five in the morning. And we were in Donnacrony after six, drinking a cup of tea, and I went to bed and I couldn't sleep. I slept for about an hour and a half. I got up. I said, Alison, I'll go on. She was racked and tired, and she had to say about the girls. I got into the car and I was driving. I was like a zombie going up towards Dromore and cutting on to the carriageway. I said, Lord, know what you're doing here I don't understand this but I know you're going to work all things out for your good I don't know how you do it but I know you will and have her got saved my whole family's talking about the Lord Things that they wouldn't do before or listen to before. He's my own father. He says, I was a good preacher. I ain't going to go and see him. God starts bringing good out of what the devil wants to do bad. Like Joseph said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's grace. There's mercy. Finish with this. I'll maybe do part two of it next week. I've so much material here. Listen to this. They go up the mountain and they see God. His feet were, as it were, the pave work of sapphire stone, as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. They're up this mountain and suddenly see the sapphire stone. Nearly every commentator I've read on this, search this, what do they mean? It gives the idea of a sky blue pavement. <laughs> what did they see when they looked from the mountain across the sky? What did they see? You know what they saw? They saw that one whom the Lord promised. They saw that theophany. 
They saw the word of God. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ. Clear as crystal. But they saw as it were the sky was like a pavement unto him. And he was walking across like it was sky blue stones. Oh come on. Do you believe that? Absolutely. Did he not walk upon the water? And the water became like a pavement to him. Did he not even cause Peter to walk on the water while Peter had his eyes fixed and focused on Christ? And here's something for you. Here is a picture of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into the air. And we shall see him as he is. And we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. He will be as it were walking upon sapphire stones. He'll walk upon the very sky itself. And you and I, like Peter in the sea, will be the same with Christ as our Savior. Oh, the grace of God. We're only getting our teeth into this tonight. There's more. We're only getting started. The grace of God. This chapter, all through those weeks, I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it. And I read it, 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 and I read it again and again and again. Because I needed to get it into me. You know why? Because God dropped it into my heart. He says, son, I will be gracious. I will show you my goodness. And you know what? We're only starting. Next week we'll see his glory passing by. And the goodness of the Lord for all of our lives. Are you saved tonight? For you're missing out on the grace of God. May God bless his word tonight to every single one of our hearts.